Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce my guest this evening, Kristen Higgins. Kristen is the New York Times best-selling author of over 12 contemporary romances. Her books have been published by Harlequin and have sold over 1 million copies. Kristen lives in a small town in Connecticut and loves to write books about relationships, since the search for love and security is one of the driving forces of life. Her titles include Read a Winner, Too Good to Be True, and Waiting on You. So welcome, Kristen, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm so pleased you could join me. How are you? I'm great, Brenda. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'm a huge, huge fan, as I told you before the show started. Um, and I've I listened to uh, you, uh, your presentation at my local RWA, and also I listened to that very famous speech you gave at the RWA conference last year. So um, I'm just beyond thrilled that you could join me today. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Now, maybe you could talk a little bit about your writing journey. How long have you been writing professionally, and how did you get started writing romance? Well, you know, it's not um, it's not the most dramatic story, but like every writer, I was a, a great reader. You know, I, I was a very appreciative reader of romance since I was 13 years old and stole my first romance from my grandmother. Um, and I... Um, you know, I just I loved to read. I was an English major in college, and I always did have a job as a writer of some kind. So I wrote PR copy and advertising copy, and I, I worked for a museum and, um, you know, writing exhibit copy. And then I had my kids, and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So I thought, you know, I wonder if I could sell a book, um, a romance book, because I figured that's that's the genre I really know. And mm-hmm. um, so I I gave it a shot, and I started with um, with a historical because I thought, oh, I, I love to read historicals, and you know, so I'll just you know make up some history, and you know, <laughs> surely it doesn't have to be accurate or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I never finished that book. It was really it was so bad. It was so like looking back at it now, it's so hilariously depressing and. Um, melodramatic. It's about um, uh, an impoverished Irish heroine who um, makes a deal with a, a rich Protestant duke um, because her family is starving to death during the potato famine. <laughs> so, you know, really not um, not that fun to read and really <laughs> horrible to write. In fact, so I stopped. I stopped writing it. I said, "What are we doing?" Patty died today. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do? Bad news, little one. But I think I'm in love. You know what I mean? That's very funny. So I I thought, how about a romantic comedy? You know, everybody loves to read a book that will make them laugh. So I went to a conference, a writer's conference. Um, I think it was uh, the New England Romance Writers Conference. And everyone was writing books about very remarkable people, like, you know, dukes and duchesses and billionaires and Navy SEALs and vampires and, and you know, really talented, wealthy people. And I thought, well, I'm none of those things. You know, I, I don't think I could pull anything like that off. But what about a book like like all of us here, you know, like just about an ordinary person 
who has a job and a family and, and, you know, is yearning to find the right person and, um, you know, make it funny. So I came up with the idea for uh, my first book, Fool's Russian. And so that was the first book that I finished. And um, and I, I, it took me about two years after, um, you know, I started it to find an agent. And I found an agent and she sold it to HQN, which is a division of Harlequin. And I've been with them ever since. That's great. And now so many people have copied you. Like, do you consider your, your romances small-town romances? Because I know that that's... Yeah. I, I was yes. I was at RWA, I think, a couple of years ago, whenever it was in New York, and that was like, you know, a theme. That's what we want to see, small-town romances. Do you think they were kind of copying you because your books have been so successful? Well, I, I don't think so, no. I mean, I think that um, everything goes around and comes around. So if, you know, if, um, I don't know, vampires aren't selling today, they'll be selling again in a few years. And um, and if small-town romance is hugely popular right now, it, it might not be in a couple of years. But um, I I was kind of unusual, I think, in the market at the time because I everything was chiclet it was sex in the city and it's it's knockoffs and um so everyone had you know wrote for a, a magazine and everyone had jimmy chews and drank cosmos and stuff and um and i thought you know I, that wasn't what i was interested in in writing and so i think the timing was right more than anything um robin carr had virgin river and and my first book came out in the same year and um and they just kind of struck a nerve. I don't know if it was just Rob and me who were writing the small town romances. It kind of felt like that at the time, and Jill Shalvis, you know. Um, but I felt like, well, you don't have to live in a small town to appreciate one, and you don't have to live in the city to appreciate a book set there. So um, I, I do think that the success of writers like Robin and Jill and myself show publishing what readers respond to. And it's always readers setting the tone and setting the pace. Like, we like this book, we'd like to see more of them, and then I think those kind of books are acquired. So it's really it's really in response to the readers that the market changes. And that's what's so great, you know, that, that the readers have all the control. We want to see more of this, and, and, you know, and that's what comes out. And the self-publishing has definitely affected that, too. There's so much to choose from now. Mhm. Mhm. Now, do you feel that because it was something that you knew so well, it it helped you to really develop these stories because in some ways you didn't have to research what it was like to live in a small town because you grew up in a small town and I believe you live in one right yeah. now. I live in my hometown. Yep. And and yeah. uh, you know, I definitely do think that uh if you don't know your subject, then you'd better learn it quick because um I think readers can can appreciate when something feels honest and real, and they also they can also sniff out a fake, you know. So you can't just say, "Well, I'm going to write a small town romance because because they're selling really well." You have to really understand what a small town is like, the pros and the cons, the complexities, you know, the the wonderful things about living in a small town. So yeah, I wrote about a small town because that's what I knew and that's what I loved and um, and again, I really wanted to write a story for for the average woman, you know, because 
my take on the average woman is that she's extraordinary, but it's not maybe so noticeable right away. She's not Paris Hilton. She's not mm-hmm. an opera singer or a movie star or a billionaire or a senator. You know, she's, she's just us. And, um, and that was what was such a joy for me was to write these extraordinary stories of ordinary people. And mm-hmm. um, it was just really gratifying to give, to give someone like a diner owner on the coast of Maine this wonderful love story that, you know, that kind of like becomes so much bigger than, than like just a couple in a town. Because every couple right. has a great story, you know. Right. Well, it's funny that you say ordinary people. Um, I don't know if you've read Alice McDermott, um, but she's a, sure. an, I think she's a fairly well-known Irish-American writer. And, and for me, she's really, um, when I first started writing, I almost wanted to emulate her because she wrote about where she grew up. She grew up on Long Island. She was, she was older than I am, but she, mm-hmm. she wrote about a certain generation. And that's what I've also done. All of my books are about typically Irish-Americans, and people living either in Long Island or Ireland, where I have a lot of ties, because that's mm-hmm. what I knew. And I actually tried, when I came home from that RWA conference, I tried to write a small-town romance, and I got about, uh-huh. I think, 25 pages in, because I don't know anything about living in a small town, you know what I mean? Like, I originally right. was born in Brooklyn, and, you know, Long Island yeah. has trees, but not a small town. And so, yeah, and I- you know... You know, so I, that's when I was like, well, this isn't really working for me. And I actually read something that Alice McDermott had had um, had in an interview, and she had said, you know, I like to write about Irish-American people because I know what their houses look like. I know how they turn a phrase. And so she mm-hmm. can get the outside right, and then she could really focus on, you know, digging into the character. And so yeah. that's what made me say, okay, it, you know, even though I think my life is not all that interesting – you know, it's, it may be interesting to somebody else, and, and I, like I said, I can get the outside right. So I think there's a real right. benefit to writing about what you know and also focusing on the ordinary person and making them show how they're extraordinary. So, yeah, you know, I, I think that's, that's one of the things I love about your books as well. Um, and, and another thing I really love about your books, uh, and I, I love the Blue Heron series, and we'll talk about that a little, in a little bit, but I love your heroes. You know, so often, okay. I, you know, in a romance, the hero is almost like a cardboard cutout, right? Like they're, they're right. what the heroine kind of projects onto them. But your mm-hmm. heroes, to me, really feel like, you know, full th- three-dimensional people, and they also, like, tend to be outsiders, I think. Um, so maybe you could talk about, you know, how you come up with your heroes. Well, I thank you, first of all. That's really flattering. Um, you know, I think that one of the the ways that my heroes feel three-dimensional is because I, I really do fall in love with them, you know. I mean, I, I really think about them translate. I mean, I've heard, I've heard authors that say, like, oh, I write a book in a month, and I think, oh, my God, I could never do that, you know. I can barely do two books a year. And, and I think part of that is because I live in the skin of my characters, and it, it takes some time to do that. So... I could say, like, okay, I want, like, an alpha male hero. But but what does that even mean? You know, is that a job? Is that, you know, a guy who's, who's uh, you know, doesn't talk a lot or something like that? And, and then I ask, like, well, why is he like that? And how did he get to be like that? And what's his family like? And what's his past romance history like? And and so I really try to, um, to develop them. And as far as 
as um, them being outsiders, you know, I, I was kind of going through the list of heroes in my mind, and, you know, so, sometimes they are, you know, that they are this, the guy who comes to town, and my heroine is usually the person um, who's in the town, and sometimes they're both, you know, like I, I did a Friends to Romance love story with Trevor and Chastity where they've known each other their whole lives and they both grew up in that town. Uh, Faith and Levi and the Blue Heron books have known each other since third grade. Uh, they're both very entrenched in the community. But we all have that feeling sometimes of being the outsider, whether we were, you know, we're in the bosom of our family and town or, or whether we're really someone who's completely new to the environment. You have this feeling of, of being other and being separate. And that's a big part of romance, I think, is finding the person who makes you feel a part of things and who who, mm-hmm. who brings you home, you know? Yeah. So um, yeah. it's very it's very fun to write um, those kind of scenes where they kind of circle each other thinking, you know, is this what I want? Not just in the person, but like in the pantheon of, or, you know, the, the environment of of this character, you know. So, for example, um, in Until There Was You, we have we have Posey, who's who's kind of like grounding Liam and kind of pulling him back from from where he's been and and emotionally and geographically and everything. And he has to think like, is this the life that I want? And at first, the answer is, I don't know. I'm not sure. And, you know. And then, of course, being a romance, the answer becomes yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um like I said, I I I love the way that your your heroes like I said are three are three-dimensional and and as you said, they, they you you kind of know in a romance where things are going to wind up and that's what the, the great mm-hmm. thing about a romance it, it's the journey of getting there. And I also like your heroines because they they're the good girls, but they always have like either they're a little awkward or they have like one big flaw. But, you know, in terms of your heroines, like how much of yourself is in those heroines? Well, you know, there's something of me in every character. Um, and I think especially in the heroine because, um, you know, I have to fall in love with the hero, but I have to be the heroine mm-hmm. um, in order to really express her emotions and and be honest about them and really understand where they're coming from and what drives her every action and every phrase in the book um, nothing, nothing is thrown in there by accident, you know. So, um, a lot of my heroines are like me. Um, I think every one of them, with maybe one or two exceptions, shares a characteristic of mine, and that's we're very honest about our feelings. So there's not a lot of pretense of like, no, no, I want to be alone. I'm a loner, you know. All my heroines kind of know what they want. They just don't know how to get it. And they also know their flaws. So it's not like they don't know that they're, like in the case of Harper from My One and Only, she's a divorce attorney. She's been through the ringer with her um, childhood and her romantic life. And she knows that she's repressed and emotionally stunted. and, And she accepts that about herself. You know, she thinks, well, this is just how I am and who can blame me? But during the course of the book, she has to overcome that. And I think that's true in every great romance novel, that it's not just a story of getting the guy or getting the girl. It's a story of becoming the person who deserves the guy or the girl. 
and to do that, that's an internal, personal journey. That's not just, you know, getting him to the altar. Mm-hmm. Do you think then in your books, do you think they have, um, they're cro- kind of crossing the line with women's fiction? Because they do focus so much on the heroine's journey, not just on getting the guy, but, you know, mm-hmm. becoming a better person or getting getting through various things. Yeah, absolutely. I think they cross the line. Um and in fact, um, I'll be writing a, a women's fiction um, for ne- next year, a release for next year, 2015. Um, and it will be very much like like my romances. It will be very familiar to my readers, but um, the classification will be slightly different because it's more about life and less about um, life and him. So there's definitely a romance in there, and a relationship is very important, and it will have the emotionally satisfying ending, but it might not be, and we get married and we have babies, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, It would be the right right ending for these characters. Um, But I do think that that's one of the things I really love to write about is is all this extra stuff. You know, I'm not, as a reader, I'm not as fond of books that only deal with witty banter and, and sex scenes, you know. I mean, they can right. be really fun and really gratifying, but I tend not to remember them. And it's the books that that have a lot of personal growth or a lot of heartache sometimes, um, you know, secondary characters who are very important to the story and the character, not just because of how they affect the relationship, but because they're important to the, that person. Just the way, you know, in real life, you might have a sister or parents or grandparents or your best friend, and their struggles matter to you. And they're not just there to say, oh, Kristen, you should definitely go for it with that guy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, they have motivations of their own. And, right, and exactly. also I think, and do you feel that that's a good transition? Because I, I know a lot of romance readers also like to read women's fiction, obviously. That's a, that's a great segue. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's sometimes hard to tell what the, the line is. I know for my first book, uh, Gold Coast Wives, uh, which is about uh, a woman who was going through a divorce, her husband left her, and, and he had made some bad investments and lost all their money, and she got fired and, you know, lost her job as a lawyer. And she went on TV and, and be, you know, went on a schlocky version of The Real Housewives. And it's mm-hmm. funny, but it's also, and there's a love interest, but it's also yeah, about sure. a woman's journey. Like, how do you get yourself out of that situation? And, you know, the reason why I classified it as contemporary romance is because I submitted it to a romance line. Um, I could have just right. as easily called it women's fiction, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, it's sometimes hard, you know, where is the line there? You know, I, it's interesting. I was having this conversation with um, with Huntley Fitzpatrick, who's a wonderful YA writer, and we were talking about, you know, why do we have to divide up literature and fiction, you know, to say, like, well, this is women's fiction, and this is literary fiction, and this is YA romance, and this is contemporary romance, and this is new adult romance. You know, why can't it just be a book that people want to read? And, yeah. you know, I understand... Um, you know, romance fans want that happy ending where the couple is together and the focus is primarily on that couple. But a lot of women's fiction fits that description too. And um, and I love the blurred lines. You know, as a reader, I really enjoy it. It's not just in contemporary, you know, there's historical writers um, like Sarah McLean and, and Anna Campbell and Eloisa James who who really have very big books. It's not just 
sweetie banter and a ball, you know. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I think the trend is going towards women's fiction. I think that society kind of kind of tells us writers what to write intuitively. So when times are really bad, happy stories sell. And when times are a little more stable, it seems to me like readers are a little more interested in maybe something that's more emotionally complex. You know, so so after September that deals 11, with more media issues, something more you know. Something. Yeah, like you can take it now. There's no, yeah. you know, we're not at war. The Twin Towers haven't just fallen. But, like, when the Twin Towers fell, romance sales shot through the roof. You know, people wanted a happy ending, and they wanted a guarantee. And um, that's when that escape, sort of escape right? romance came. You know, the, the vampires and the shapeshifters, and, and um, that was really popular because it was a total escape. And now that we're a little steadier, I think we're looking for... Um, a story that maybe is a little bit more, I don't know, a little riskier maybe, but mm-hmm. that can mm-hmm. engage in things like unemployment and, and divorce and bankruptcy and stuff because, you know, we, we can take it now. Yeah, That's or it's like that's the parent. You know, like I, I wrote a women's fiction. I actually just got the rights back, so I'm kind of rewriting it. But it, it sounded like a real downer, you know, but it was about a woman whose mother was dying of cancer and how they resolved things. And you knew in the mm-hmm. first page for this character, it's not going to be a happy ending. But that doesn't mean yeah. it's not an important story to tell. So, right. Like, yeah, like no, I agree with you. Stars. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's the a place for both. Like you said, sometimes you are in the mood for an escape, and then there are mm-hmm. other times when you, you can take it, you know. So yeah. Yeah. that's that's very interesting that you're moving to women's fiction. I can't, I can't wait. What's the name of that book that's coming out, the women's fiction? You no, know, I, don't, I don't have a title yet. I just suggested a title to my editor today. Um, oh, okay. So it's still in the works. But uh, so we don't we don't have anything yet. But um, yeah, I still write romance. But I'll do like a women's fiction and a and a romance or two, and then a women's fiction, and and kind of see how that goes. Right. Okay. Um, like I said, I yeah. think it will be. It's just a question of marketing. It's really not a right. different genre for me. Right. Yeah, you're not doing something completely like you're not all of a sudden doing like a paranormal something completely right. out of the realm. Yeah. Right. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your Blue Heron series and how you got started on that and how many books are in it currently and how many more do okay. you see coming down the pike? Sure. You know, that's another um, uh, a series that was born out of the response of readers um, because I do really love to write those towns. Um, people said, you know, God, I love, I love this town. I wish I could stay here. I wish I could visit it. Um, and I love your your family so much that I wish you'd write a series. And so I thought, all right, you know, I, I really didn't know how to write a series. I asked a couple of friends, uh, Susan Mallory and, and Robin Carr, I said, how do you start this, you know? And, um, and one thing I knew was that I wanted uh, a business or a center, I don't know, like a, a pinning point that I could really enjoy. And I was thinking, well, you know, I like to eat, <laughs> so maybe I could do a restaurant. But I'd actually done a story that centered around a, a family restaurant, um, the next best thing. So then I thought, well, okay, what else do I like? You know, uh, baseball. I can't really do a baseball book. That would be too big. You know, how about wine? <laughs> so I picked um, a vineyard, and I was I was talking to my brother about um, he's, he owns a wine shop and he's very knowledgeable about wine. And I said, I'd like to write a book about 
a family-run vineyard, but I don't want to go to California. Because as we were talking earlier, you know, you want to write what you know, and I'm a Yankee, you know. I understand the Northeastern sensibility and, and how we are. I'm from New England. I'm, I'm, you know, like a seventh generation New Englander. And so I... Um, and even I the weather, right? I feel like the weather really yeah. is, is almost like another character in your books, like the, you know, <laughs> the snow and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, you know, you don't have to... Yeah. All of a you sudden you, you're... You don't have to or... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he said, oh, there, you go to the Finger Lakes. I'll I'll hook you up with some people that I know up there, and you can go visit. So I I went up there and um, I toured a couple places, and and one vineyard in particular really spoke to me, um, Fulkerson Vineyard in Dundee, New York. This eight generations of farmers turned winemakers, and I just thought this is perfect. And the towns up there are so beautiful. So I decided to do a family uh, with grown children. And three of the four of them are single. And I thought, okay, I'll do three books and, and then we'll move on and, and see how that mm-hmm. that goes. And so I wrote Faith's story and I knew that honors would be next. And, and so I wrote The Best Man and then The Perfect Match. And then I was going to do uh, Jack, their brother. And I I wasn't really ready. You know, it was funny. I, I loved him as their brother, but I it was hard to transition him in my mind to... A romantic hero because he's just you know the brother he's the one boy with the three sisters and and his sisters are merciless with him you know always calling him names and telling them about his their periods and stuff and and I wasn't really quite ready to see him as this romantic sexy guy and so the character that really did interest me at the time was was Colleen who is um, the best friend of Faith and um, runs the little tavern in town with her twin brother. And she was just a blast. You know, she was a woman who was always advising people on their love lives and is a great matchmaker and is always helping people hook up and and get married and stuff. Yet she's single, and she's 32. And I thought, why is she single? You know, why would someone who knows everything about men be single? And she's funny. She has this thing for older men, and she says she's always looking for a sugar daddy. And I thought... Something's going on there, and it's always funny, you know. You know, Bernadette, as a as a writer, you know, you put something in the book that you don't think is important, and then you find out it's hugely important. You know, it just kind of pops out of your head. So here's Colleen, who's single, and she's not looking for age appropriate men, and um, the only reason could be that her heart was broken. So that's where Waiting on You came from, and. Um, and the books have been really popular. My readers really like them. The, the reviewers seem to like them. So um, so I am going to write, I have written Jack's book. Uh, that's called In Your Dreams, and that comes out in September. And I think I'm going to write one more because um, there's another character who became really interesting, and um, that's Colleen's twin brother, Connor. And I've gotten a lot of mail from people saying, I loved Colleen, now when's Connor? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know so, he was um, a great character. Even though he was a small character in them, you're right. He was he was very vivid. I, that's that's actually that that's um, interesting. I'll be it'll be fun to read. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's that's where I'm planning to go. You know, with with five books, and then we'll kind of uh, kind of see. You know, my friend Robin has written twenty books in Virgin River, and I think she's working on her ninth Thunder Point. I I don't know that I can sustain a series that long, but um, 
we're just going to kind of wait and see, um, you know. I think you know when it's done. Like yeah, I had, um, yeah. you know, okay. I started, I did a, a standalone Devil's Mountain, which originally was supposed to be contemporary, you know, contemporary romance. Um, and it was about a woman who, you know, kind of one of the characters was supposed to be kind of mentally ill and she thought she was a witch. Mm-hmm. But I kind of had fun writing about witches, so I just completely rewrote it and made it a paranormal romance. But it's kind of almost women's fiction as well because it talks about mothers and daughters. But anyway, that right. was supposed to be like, you know, a standalone. And then I tried to write that infamous uh, small town romance that went nowhere. And, <laughs> and I still, you know, there was one, it was a small character. I was like, you know what, I wonder what her story would be. And it was the daughter. So it became a two book. It became a three book. And then it became four books. But you know what, now it really is the end. Like I said, everything I wanted to say about, mm-hmm. you know, the world that I created, about this family of Irish witches and so now I'm done. So I, I really did yeah. in the fourth book that this is it. I, I had a great time here, but I'm done right. now. So I'm you'll probably on. feel yeah. the same way, you know, when when you've said everything you wanted about the blue heron people. But yeah. Um, yeah. but it's it's hard to leave them too, you know. Like it's you become very attached, and you become attached to the locale, you know. And, right. And right. also the fact that in some ways writing in series. The, the second and third and the fourth book are easier because you don't have to set the stage. You've already done that. And so you can just, like, right. jump into the midst of it, you know. So Yeah, that's definitely true. You have your whole secondary cast and you know the town and everything. And and then conversely, it can be really hard um, because you, you might throw in a line about something and then you think, oh, I have to I have to be true to that, you know. Um, I have to... I have to somehow incorporate what I said in book two into book four, you know, mm-hmm. so um, in in The Perfect Match, I mentioned that Jack was divorced, and it's a very casual reference, and I thought, you know, he's he's 37. If he's not divorced, then, you know, what's, if he, if he hasn't had a significant relationship, what's wrong with him? <laughs> you know? Weird, right? um, so it was good that he was divorced, but then I had to... I had to acknowledge his ex-wife somehow, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, have I painted myself into a corner here? And the same with, um, you know, with Connor. He's he's dating somebody in Waiting on You, and he won't tell his sister who it is. And I I know who it is, and, um, and I just thought, I'm not going to say it yet just in case it changes, you know, because mm-hmm. that will be a year from now, you know, that I finished writing, um, waiting on you to when I start writing his book. So, you know, I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna paint myself into the corner there. You know, that is really interesting because as I was reading the book I was like, how come she doesn't just tell us? So that's actually very smart. There was a real reason why you didn't do that. But Yeah, um, yeah. Because, you, you know, like you said, you're going to write this book a year and a half from now or whenever it is, and, and you don't know how you're going to feel at that point. So, yeah, you have to be careful about not painting yourself into a corner. Well, when, we, when you were at RWA, you had some really uh, a really funny story about titles and how your titles of some of your books, how they came about, and also how they sometimes get translated in the foreign editions. Maybe you could talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Well, um, yeah, now... I don't get to pick my titles, and nowhere in my contract or in the contract of any writer I know does it say that you get to pick your titles. So for my first book, um, my working title was Stalking Joe, because that's what my heroine does. She stalks Joe Carpenter. She follows him. She she goes to the post office when he does, and it's all very benign. 
and we've all done it. You know, we've all shown up when you know at Dunkin' Donuts when our uh, our crush is there. But my my marketing team there at Harlequin thought it sounded a little bit um, threatening. And I guess there had been some. It was it was there was some stalking case that was you know turned out badly, and they said let's let's not do it. So they kind of gave me a few suggestions and said you know. We like Fools Rush in. What do you think? And I said, Sure. You know, it's my first book. I just I was still in the thank you for publishing me. You know, <laughs> um, in that phase. So, um, so I now I suggest some titles, and sometimes I'm stuck, and I'll I'll ask on Facebook. You know, do you guys have, um, you know, any title ideas about about a, for an upcoming book? And so once or twice. Um, the title has been picked by a reader. The best thing for me as a writer is when there's a phrase in the book that leaps out. So like in Too Good to Be True, that's a perfect title because my heroine makes up a boyfriend and he is indeed too good to be true, which is why he's fictional. You know, he's she's, he, she's never met this guy. He's, he's an imaginary character and she... Um, you know, it's, it's just kind of perfect. And the next best thing, one of the, just one of the guys. But... Um, in Germany, I have my favorite titles um, because in Germany, you have to have an original title for every new work. So in America, I could write To Kill a Mockingbird by Kristen Higgins because you can't copyright a title. But in Germany, you can. So every title has to be um, new. And it, it gets hard, I'm sure, to find a new title. So my favorite translation in German is um, for just one of the guys. It's about a woman who has four older brothers, and um, and the translation of the title is "My brothers love and me," <laughs> which, which just sounds really wrong and illegal, you know, immoral. <laughs> so um, that's a pretty a pretty funny one. Um, God, but, that is funny. Um, isn't that awful? You know. And um, the French seem to, they're very graceful. Um, they have a, uh, one of my books is You and Me in French and, um, you know, Close to the Perfect Man and that kind of thing. So they, they um, it varies from country to country. But uh, My Brother's Love and Me is, is definitely a favorite. <laughs> and the, the foreign is, covers, is. they can be a riot too, you know. Um, oh, so the, German, the covers are different for the foreign editions. Sometimes they are, you know, most times they are. Um, and my German covers are definitely, you know, there's a very distinct German sense of humor. And it's very visual. And um, so for one of my books, which involves a love triangle, they show my heroine shrugging, and she's standing in between two <laughs> mounted human heads with antlers. <laughs> like, which one should I pick? You know, the guy on the left or the guy on the right? But their heads are mounted. <laughs> They're really creepy, you know. I'm like, oh, okay. But it was a bestseller, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So they don't. Well, a lot of your covers now they had they do, they had dogs or animals on the covers. Now you've you've moved yeah. away from that, right? Well, we're moving back to it too. Um, oh, you are. I okay. Really, yeah, I I love having the dogs on the cover and. You know, I I do think that's a trend you can you can credit the Harlequin Art Department with um, regarding my books that that my books are the dog covers and then a few years after I was published um, 
everyone had a dog on the cover, and they were they're just so appealing, you know. But the pets in my books are very important, you know. They're not just cover art, and um, they. Um, I'm a huge animal lover. I can't imagine life without a pet, and and neither can my my characters. And so, um, the art department seized on that, and they started making these lovely covers. And then they decided, like, oh, maybe it'll be a little more sophisticated if we take them off. And, um, you know, I, I said, oh, but I love them. And I whined long enough that they said, okay, we'll put them back on. <laughs> it was funny. Oh, yeah, I, th- I thought you had said that part of the reason why they wanted to do it, too, is because too many other people were kind of copying you. But um, Yeah, I think it was, you know, I mean, I can't say that, that publishers are, I can't say for certain that publishers are copying, and it's certainly not me. It's, it's you know, Harlequin marketing genius. But, mm-hmm. um but yeah, it's not real popular. You know, there's a lot of there were a lot of dogs on covers, and um, it seemed to be like a thing for a while. I think it's backing off now. But um, yeah, that's another thing that we don't get a um, final say in is our covers. I I'm very lucky that I get to contribute something to the conversation about covers. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I used to work in advertising, so I think that you know that they're very respectful and nice about my opinion, and I'll say, you know, uh, this is what I was thinking, and, and here are some examples, and, and, you know, go for it. And they'll send me pictures from the photo shoot and say, which pose do you like best, and, and what do you think of this? And um, so, that you know, I get some some say, but again, that's usually something that authors don't get. Did you have a choice of cover? No, <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> Not at all. I did. I did my last book, The Devil and Witch, which was the last book in the um, Devil and Legacy. There was one character, and, and my, my my characters were in their like thirties. They the first cover, the girl was maybe fifteen, and she was walking in water. And I said, okay, well, what scene of the book is that in? Because they're on a mountain. Where's the water coming from? <laughs> and why is she only fifteen years old? And I said, come on, you have to be a little closer. So then they came up with um. Actually, it's then they made my character like very sultry in like a forest, but that's not really what the character is either. But she has red hair, and so right. they got that part right. So yeah, you don't really have have much of um, of an input, unfortunately. And it's funny yeah. the um, for Gold Coast Wives, that's actually my least favorite cover. Although um, somebody said they're like, oh, she kind of looks like you and your husband. I was like, really? <laughs> I wish I looked like that. Great, <laughs> right, thank you. That is us, in fact. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. People don't realize, if they're not involved in the industry, they don't realize how little control, in some ways, an author has once they sign with a publisher because they kind of own it, you know, so they get to control those yeah. kinds of things. Right. And, and hopefully funny. they know. Yeah, I mean, they. I Harlequin has done a very nice job for me, so I have no complaints. But um, my first cover, my editor sent it to me and she said, what do you think? And I said, oh, my God, I love it. Um, do you want me to sign off on it? And she laughed and she said, no, no, it's, they're already printed. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I do love it and thank you for sending it to me. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't know, you know. And, um, yeah, no, I, that was the only, um, and, and at the time, um, my book was with Lyrical before it went to Kensington. So I'm sure now, like, if I publish another book with Kensington, they, I would, they would probably just say, here is your cover. But I had a little bit of input, like I said. I said, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't reflect any character in the book, so maybe we could, you know, change that. 
but yeah, that was fun. Well, Kristen, we're running a little bit out of time, so um, okay. maybe before we leave, maybe you can tell me um, again the name of your upcoming book and also where people can find you online. Sure. It's uh, the name of the book is In Your Dreams, and it comes out September 30th. It's um, the fourth book in the Blue Heron series, and you can find me online at kristenhiggins.com or on Facebook at Kristen Higgins Books. Excellent. Well, if you wouldn't mind, maybe um, if you could like the Nice Girls uh, Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page, because I like to post updates about everyone I've had on the show. So I I would love to put a little blurb about your upcoming book. So that was great. And and I really have enjoyed this so much. So thank you so much for for joining. And um, and hopefully I can convince you to come on again some other time. Um, In terms of... Yes, thanks, and and have a great summer. Um, in terms of the the show, just want to update everyone. I have some really great guests coming up, so you can find out about upcoming guests on the Blog Talk Radio um, Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books um, page, or you can go to my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. Also wanted to remind everyone that my books are out and available. Gold Coast Wives, which is my contemporary romance, is um, released by Kensington, and that is available, as well as my four-book paranormal series, The Devil and Legacy, and the first book in that series, Devil's Mountain, is only 99 cents. So you can get um, see copies of my covers and excerpts from all my books on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So thanks again. This is Bernadette Walsh from Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. And I will see you next time. Bye-bye.